And I'm spent. Woo. Do you smoke after sex? I don't know, baby. I never looked. <laughs> <laughs> Austin. <laughs> what should we do now? Well, I've got an idea. Why don't we shag? Again? Sure, baby. We're only up to chapter 11 in the Kama Sutra. Don't you want to try the wheelbarrow, the praying donkey, or the Chinese shag swing? I'm going to get us some more champagne, jungle boy. I'm going to get us some more champagne, jungle boy. Are you okay? I've never felt better, Austin. All right, then. Do you expect me to talk? Welcome to episode 209 of Do You Expect Us to Talk? I'm back up and as always joined by my groovy co-hosts Chris and Dave. I think she wants us to say hello there, but she's out of practice with the format. <laughs> so oh, no, I, I, guess, I guess all I'll say is, uh, hey, Spire Shagami, it's my favourite movie. Mm. <laughs> Isn't it amazing how my computer room looks in no way like Southern California? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's I, I don't know, I mean, this is probably one, I think the first one probably has to be the, the best one out of purity, but this one has the best gags. Yes, definitely I the think. funniest, I think, and, and in terms of celebrity cameos as well, there, there's so many. There are, what's the film we're covering? Tonight it is Groovy Baby, Oscar Powers, The Spy He Shagney, starring Mike Myers, Mike Myers, Mike Myers, Mike Myers. Ad infinitum, Heather Graham, Michael York, Robert Wagner, Seth Green, Rob Lowe, Ben Troyer, Liz Hurley, and many, 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 many more cameos, including Tom Cruise. With original score by George Clinton. That's written by Mike Myers. Yeah, I know, it's not me. I know. <laughs> coming soon, coming soon. Um, yeah, Who written... knew Tom Cruise comes early? Directed <laughs> <laughs> by Jay Roach and released in 1999. Yeah, 1999. Uh, this came out the summer of uh, The Phantom Menace, The Matrix, um, I think Gladiator may have been the following year, uh, but certainly there, there was the, the the marketing budget for this one was on a massively different scale um, from the first film. They were popping up with adverts riffing on episode one with Doctor Evil on what looked like the Death Star in a reveal, uh, TV spots absolutely everywhere. There was a lot of hype around this film. Definitely, yeah, because yeah. it's following the well the success of the the first film because that had um, a, like a lengthy. Uh, home release as well, so um, and a lot it, of it, it was home release. What's I think difficult to understand now is that we're coming back into an era with streaming where box office won't tell you everything. But there's definitely been a spell in the last ten years where if you want to see what prompted a sequel, you have to look at the box office. But there was a spell in the late '90s and early early 2000s where it might do pretty well in cinemas and then the home release just pushes it over the edge mm. the first film did around the 70 million mark this did 312 yeah that was a big jump wasn't it that was a massive well jump. when you think the original matrix film took in the 400s that that tells you how successful this was for also a, like the landscape has changed in that short space of time as well in terms well, of like you know consuming films and things like that as well it's just it's sort of completely different well um, home release is more of a a major money maker for films, anyway, than the box yeah. office. 
I mean, the box office is kind of like an effort for the home release, essentially. So it when, was. When, when, yeah, when, 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 when films... Now, but obviously we're moving back to streaming now. Where... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, going back the other way. It's a kind of like, yeah, it's kind of a bit weird because like whenever like films like flopped, quote-unquote, or, you know, for whatever reasons, or if they generally did flop, it would still kind of make still make its money back anyway because, you know, there'll always be a market for, like, you know, Home release always pick up like some repeat viewings, and also you know probably revenue from being on television and things like that. You know, the, you yeah. know it still generates money. So you, so it, it's it's it is kind of uh, a bit weird when you think oh it's a, oh it's a flop. Well you know or or this film flopped, but it's like but it, it's still a huge revenue. Yes, it still brings in the cash. Yeah. It, it made so really really good money anyway, and I think we we lose track of not only. Um, inflation, but also actually ticket price inflation, which isn't always the same thing. You know, I was going in on a student rate in the late nineties and paying like one seventy. <laughs> you know what I mean? On That's ridiculous, student. isn't it? That is ridiculous. I remember so the days is... it was like three quid, three four quid for a cinema ticket. Exactly. Yeah, same. Um, so this is the uh, worldwide. This is the tenth highest grossing film of nineteen ninety nine. Yeah. Um, now some of those on the worldwide release, things like American Beauty, actually their release ran into 2000 and so on. Um, but I mean, it's big money. It's, it's only two places below the Bond film for that year. Um, I was going to say, uh, yeah, surely Bond must be top of that list. Uh, Bond is eighth on the list. The, the highest grossing film of 1999, unsurprisingly, is The Phantom Menace. Of course. The second highest grossing film of the year, this is worldwide gross, was The Sixth Sense. Oh, I forgot which, about that. For the type of film it is, is actually an unbelievable gross because in 1999 money it took 672 million. It was all about that twist ending. Toys, to- yeah, because so many people paid to see it twice. Mm. Uh, Toy Story Two was third. The Matrix was fourth. The and then it sort of drops away in terms of films that have lasted. In that the animated Tarzan is next. Mm. The Mummy, the uh, Rachel Vice, uh, Brenda Fraser. Yeah, that was a huge oh. hit as well. Started, like, yeah, yeah, that was yeah. That was- uh, and then you've got Notting Hill, which is a surprise because I always thought that things like that and although they've got um, a profile abroad, I always thought they were driven by their UK grosses, that and four weddings and stuff. But no, that mm. took 363 million. That's interesting. So, yeah, uh, I'm trying to see who won. <laughs> Rundown top 10, 1999. Yeah, it was a str- strange year at the Oscars because you've got. Russell Crowe failed to win this year and won the following year for Gladiator. And I honestly think if the, of all the films in Russell Crowe's career, he should have won for The Insider. Oh, gosh, yeah. No, that was good um, it, Just because he was 35 playing 53. And playing 83 is different. But playing 53, the difference in your sort of physicality is so much more subtle. Mm. And yet he he was convincingly a man in his 50s. And it's a really, really subtle performance. So, yeah, um, Best Actor was... Best Actress was Hilary Swank. Best Actor was Kevin Spacey. Whatever happened to Kevin Spacey? (laughs) I don't know. God knows. I always thought he'd be playing good leg on leg. He would have been a great fuck on leg on. His career went down the drain. Yeah, so this was a a hugely uh, well-performing film. Yeah, 99 was always a bit of a... Uh, sentimental year for me because it's the year where I uh, I did my GCSEs. 
Oh, right. So, so kind of like, obviously, I finished school earlier. Yeah, yeah. I actually, I, actually finished school. I sit with a brandy and remember that geography GCSE paper I scraped <laughs> a pass on. Yeah, literally. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I couldn't, couldn't remember at all what what was in any of my papers. Or so if I if I'd sit now, I'd probably I'd be clueless. Yeah, um, yeah I probably couldn't do them now. What the fuck's but a Peru? I do remember like the early two thousands our A level papers being somewhat controversial because there was some there was some problem with the um with, with the awarding body and they suddenly decided that all our answers would be void and we were like, No, we're not putting up with this shit. So it was a bit controversial. But yeah, I can't remember any of like my DCSC papers. <laughs> dear dear. Yeah, yeah, I did mine the following year in two thousand, so but it's, it's, it's also a good year for movies as well, because like Bond. Know, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's all my memory from 1999. Isn't well, you know, well, I, think, I, I still think Matrix. Got, if, if you think on the commercial end of things, you've got the Matrix, which is a landmark film. Yeah, I, 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 I do don't... remember. I think we went on a field trip, and we, you know, our teacher kind of took us out one evening to the cinema, sort of thing, and we were like Matrix, Matrix. So I think that was kind of like we yeah. were snuck in to go and see it. Well, I. I... So the, you got the Matrix. I, I would think Toy Story is still in in the the argument for best Pixar film, but at the art more art, slightly more sort of commercial art house end. Obviously, you've, you've still got you've got American Beauty, which we mentioned, but you've also got Magnolia this year. Mm, oh yes, uh, I'm pretty sure being John Malkovich was this year. Um, so there were. It, it is it is one of those years. People Phantom look Menace, back which on. was just like huge. It was like the big behemoth, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah, Run Lola Run was this year. Quite a small film, but I love. Oh, I thought it was a little, um, like mid nineties for some reason. I don't know why. And and for, at the very art house end, you've obviously got South Park, Bigger, Longer, and Uncut, which is the best film. Yeah, film obviously ever. Blair Witch Project was this year. Yeah. Um, shot, e- even like smaller yes. films, like Ten Things I Hate About You. Of course. Which oh yeah, she's great adaptation. Yeah, which like which I remember was it was like a late summer film. So the producer well, could be a bit of a sleeper. But it's actually really enjoyable. I had quite a lot of rewatch, but it's actually quite decent, I think. I've not seen it for a while, but... Yeah. Um, yeah, Shakespeare remake. Yeah, starring a young The uh, Thomas Cranfer, the remake with yeah. Brosnan, which I still hold as stronger than the original. Not no, as sexy I would, as the I would original. Agree. That, I would agree. That was um, the director... Uh, what's it? Uh, John McTiernan. John Matera, yeah. Dinner, he had two films out at the same time. You know, like one, like with a, like a one with uh, Antonio Banderas, which which didn't do anything, but um, that came out at the same time as Thomas Crown Affair. Oh, really the Thirteenth Warrior you were talking yeah, about. That's the one, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I'm sorry, we're sort of disappearing into the nostalgia here. Not necessarily even films you go and see, but you Welcome just remember the films them being of out. Uh, Fight Club, of uh, course. Fight Club was this Fight year. Club, I, yeah, I, how can I forget Fight Club? That's that's quite an iconic film. It's not my fa- it's not my favourite of that filmmaker's stuff, but I, I do so, somewhat like it. Three Kings was this year, the David O. Russell film. That was a good film. Yeah, I remember that. Entrapment, um, which was a, which was a hit at the time. Yeah, that's where. Um, that's gone into a bit of a more of a cult following, hasn't it? That's where Catherine Zeta Jones gave an old man a bed bath or something. Bless <laughs> him. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, being John Malkovich, I've already mentioned. We are just sort of looking down these at the moment. Now, The Bone Collector, The Insider was a terrific film. Mm. Bone Collector? Uh, like, that, that made like, it into like, 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 in my opinion, most Michael Mann films, a little bit too long. But um, um, pretty good. Bit of, bit of a mixed bag. American Pie Dogma. as well. Oh, American Pie, yeah. Well, you, oh, you gosh. Get very art house. Less about that, the better. 
I didn't mind American Pie. It was funny. I don't. I don't know how well it would play now. But yeah, it's well, probably one of those films the, that you can really make it now. The reunion one was awful. I yeah, that was pretty cringe. That's, that's, that's one of those films. Like, if, you, if you're a teenager in that era, like you had to go and see. Like I got dragged to go and see it with all my mates. The second um, one where he glued his hand to his dick and his other hand to a videotape was funny. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. Uh, the Green Mile was this year. Uh, Girl Interrupted. That was the film that really broke Angelina Jolie. She was somewhat yeah. known, but she took an, an Oscar for that one. Yeah. Uh, Bowfinger. Uh, Steve Martin and Eddie Murphy's both of their last funny films, really. Yeah, that was kind of before Alec, that. Talented Mr. Ripley was this year. That's a very Deep, good film. Deep Blue I think that's probably one of the best of the Ripley films. Deep Blue Sea. I thought that was the following year, but no, you're right. Oh my gosh, yeah. I can't remember that so, one. Yeah. So Sleeping Hollow as well. Um, it, sorry, looking back that. through it, most of these are not that great, but I, it just reminds me. Of Sleeping Hollow is quite good, though. Like, I tend to, even though it's, mm. you know, Johnny Depp gothic horror. At least we not forget Wild Wild West. Oh gosh, oh, Giant yeah. Spider, avoid. Which he turned down the Matrix to do. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> well, we're well sure we're grateful. Yeah. Okay. So. Um, yes. Thanks for listening to the 1999 podcast. Well, this. A little bit of nostalgia there. I mean, I can't say, uh, I can't say it stands out over a lot of other years for me actually. But when you go back through it, it puts me back to a different sort of time in my life. It does. Well, it's good to look back. Not the time I missed. The time I Plus, it was you know it was the millennium as well, nineteen ninety thousand. It was very often like a pivotal time for for a lot of people. Yeah. And you always come across films you've forgotten existed, like Ed TV and stuff like that. Oh gosh! Oh, like some, a lot of the films that you mentioned, for some reason, I thought they—I remember them being a lot later, but um, a lot earlier, sort of like, like yeah. mid, mid to late nineties for some reason. So, but you know, often gives you kind of pause to think. Oh, there's some films that you should go back and, and revisit. And at Obviously, the cult end know. of things, Office Space was this year. No, really? Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh! Yeah. That is a real cult, isn't it? It's one, it's one of those films. I, I perceive it to be—it's got a cult fo- following. And perhaps like when I studied abroad in America, for example, it was much more popular over there than it is over here, sort of thing. I mean, it's still popular, but it has a lot more. Um, if that's, I know it's a bit of a, you know, sort of contrasting terms, but it seems to have more of a cult following um, across the pond than it does over here. So, join us next week. Dogma was ninety nine, was wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. I, I, it's arguable how many funny films Kevin Smith has done since. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm looking at 2002 now to tee us up for next week. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. All if, right. if you have any fun memories of uh, films that came out in 1999, drop us an email. Talk in the meantime, let's, let's get on do, with it. Let's do this hybrid reviewmentary. Go, go, go. Yes. All right. Let's, let's count play. us in. Yeah, let's count us in. I'll do it. Um, all right. So go on the three. So. Playing in one, two, three. Press that button. Now I, I'm a, I'm a bit uh, weird with this film because um, obviously this came out at the time where like you know DVD extras were a thing, and it was the yeah. first the first film that I actually watched DVD extras and had tons of deleted scenes, uh, oh, okay. and it was almost like um, well which I would later go and watch this is Spiral Tap and the, and the and delete stuff and this is Spinal Tap is just like it's almost like an extra part of the movie yeah So yeah it really is so it, it's kind of odd because I tend to say a bunch of quotes and it actually does not in the film it's in the film because <laughs> it's, it's like, I found delete stuff actually that funny 
Uh, so I don't know if anyone else has actually ever watched the the, the bonus stuff or the I'm not sure scenes, if I did or not. I didn't get a DVD until late 2001. Uh, I'm trying to think what the first DVD. I think the first DVD I ever bought might well have been Evil Dead 2. Uh, and we were like, look at the resolution. There's no, like, fuzz over their picture or anything. <laughs> no, you like... look back and I think, what the hell? Basically, a clear picture with no, like, crap on it was, like, amazing. <sighs> See, there's, there's, there's kids, you know, who, who just, who, for Blu-ray is the norm. You know, spare a thought for us kids who grew up with VHS and made yeah. transition to DVD. You are spoiled. Kids, we for your roller skates and, and the <laughs> you don't know you're born. Don't know you're born. Imagine going back though. Imagine like sort of like waking up and you're in like the nineties again. Like I'd be bored, fucking stiff. Oh, God. That's what. That's why I don't get all this good old days bollocks. I mean, that kind of be like the worst thing. I can the best, watch the best almost any sports event that's ever happened. I can watch almost any film that's had any kind of release anywhere. I can listen to any song that's ever been made. Read any book that's in an electronic format or audio format. It's like I do get bored occasionally, but it's really, really rare. And when I think back to like my childhood, there were times, particularly if the weather was bad or something, where I just literally had no idea what to do. Mm. So, hey, Liz Hurley, back when she looked exactly the same as she does now. <laughs> yeah, she looks the same. Austin Powers hasn't aged. Too true. No. I, one of my one of my memories of watching this film was just remember just. It's one of those moment, um, times in the cinema where you're just creasing out laughing. You know, you know that time when you're laughing so hard, yeah, uh, that you're actually not making any sound. It's like, you're just, yeah, yeah. You're just crying. yeah, yeah. And this film just happy as soon as like sort of the the, um, the Star yeah. Wars sort of piss take. <laughs> yeah, although <laughs> controversially, the, if you, the best first sort of ten minutes is the third film. It's not the best yeah. film, but I yeah. love the first ten minutes. Also, might be less than that, more like three or four minutes. In like Flint, my favourite movie. That just I've never seen. Like I've never seen any of those. <laughs> those no, nor have I. I just assumed it was porn because it looked like they were in a gym or something. Not, yeah, not I did have ever seen porn set in a gym. Well, no. Anyway, off topic. I've not seen them at home movies either. As we're, as we're talking no, about I haven't seen off. them at home films. Um, only the bits that were recreated in uh, and used in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Mm. Uh, but I mean, Dean Martin wasn't a particularly young man when he was making them, so I don't think they were particularly action-packed. How did I miss those babies? Imagine Bombus did, did this for all the bongos from the previous film. What, oh just just kill, just killed them off like they turned oh, out to be bot too. By, tw- by film twenty-four, can you imagine that? <laughs> yeah, we knew. Another film. You, you just don't get it, do you? I'm, I'm kind of half expecting it next time round uh, with uh, no time to die. <laughs> yeah, Leia Sadu. How does he get rid of her? Turns out she was a fembot. <laughs> she she was Spectre all along. Yeah, or uh, her father was actually a Morphe Richards. <laughs> yeah, baby. I mean, I don't know how in demand Hurley was at this point, but to get her back to do this tiny bit was quite good. I can't imagine they shot it the first time. She might have been contractually obliged. Yeah, it's possible, I suppose. I, I don't know. <laughs> it strikes me as like, because it it must have been a bit, must, must also be an element of like, inviting that around just, just to kind of kill, kill her off must be a bit of a, what, really? Yeah, it's not something everybody wants to do. So it? she must like sort of have a bit of sense of humour about it. I, I'm just wondering... Like, 
do you reckon now this bit now where he's like naked the whole time? I think that's really do you, clever. Do you think he actually was or had some sort of covering there? I'm wondering how much well, the editor my, had to cut my, out. I mean, oh, we'll say like... My, Probably has to wear some pants or something. This is one of my girlfriend's favourite movies. Hey, <laughs> I, I, and I can't, I can't help but say movie, but as a movie, hey, it's my favourite movie. movie. Um, and, yeah, you can't say it properly. And she was, she was thinking, I, I, I think he was naked, uh, or she heard that, that he actually was. Now, I think he must have had something tucked in. It's like at least something. I think he, he was he was practically, but you know, he was, he was, he was practically you tough. just think the whole His package of, must have been tied up somehow. Just that, I mean, maybe I'm putting it through sort of a 2021 lens, but I'm just yeah. thinking about the contractual and legal issues of forcing people to work on this set, and suddenly he's walking around with his dick swinging about all day. <laughs> you know, well, people are happy about you know. <laughs> he's got a tattoo, Rob Lowe, on his ass. Look, yeah, bright blue. <laughs> I think I'm a little bit ahead of you. I'll join me to pause. He's, there's the two hams behind him, and Elizabeth Hurley's name's just come up. Oh, okay, yeah, I'm a little bit ahead, but never mind, it's fine. Sorry, the, they're about, they to, they're the about baby to crack the well. and cut the bread. Yeah. Again, it depends what version oh, of the film I just noticed there's a sign that says Casino Royale. That's the first really? time I've actually noticed that. Well, mm. no, they're, they're, at the, um, they're at the sort of table with the Jewish guys who were cutting the meat now. Is that, a, uh, is that a euphemism? The Jewish or Amish? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I'm at the swimming pool. Casino Royale. I'm at that now. Music by George S. Clinton. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I think I'm at the same stage as you, Chris. Okay, well, you can... I either. find it amazing that Demi Moore produced this film. <laughs> yeah, she I wonder how much she actually one. did. Yeah, I'm not too sure. Yeah, he's just landing in the water. You're just going to have to divine it from things I'm saying, to be honest, and pause it now and again, because I'm, I'm at this bit, and I'm at this bit. It's going to be... It's get okay. Hard. <laughs> mm. I, I mean, th- this is a solid opening, though, isn't it? Oh, it really is. Yeah. And I just think, like, particularly when you were filming the first one, it just think like, there must go. It must go into the back of his head. Like, is this going to look really daft and uh, not funny? You know. Mm. But no, it's really solid. It just. Uh... I'll sound really old manish saying this, but the speed time goes by. This is just not that long ago, really. It, it does. Awful it lot does hap- has happened in the meantime, no doubt. But Jerry it's Springer. Scary. Gosh, remember him? Jerry Springer. Oh my god. So now end. this is very of its time. It very much is, isn't I'm, it? I'm it not is. at Jerry Springer yet. I'm looking at Kriplakistan and the guy who was in NYPD Blue and other things is going around TV things, and I'm assuming he's about to turn to Jerry Springer. Now, yep. there we go. I don't know. The first few times I saw Jerry Springer, because it used to be on during the day, you know, and I was a student, so I weren't doing anything else. Um, I, I was very... I, I couldn't believe what I was watching because we'd not seen anything like it. So it was kind of really Moorish the first few times you saw it, and then you just thought, "This is kind of awful, really." Mm. You are really exploiting people who should not be on TV doing this sort of stuff. I wonder, like, had we not had like Jerry Springer, would we not have a, had like the likes of Jeremy Carl like Carl. we have over here, for example? Yeah, almost certainly not, because this is the the birth of all that sort of mm. thing. Yeah. Um, and there was not even a pretense at trying to help them. I mean, 
it's just as exploitative in its way, but like Maury Povich used to be shown as well. And at least there was a veneer of a defence there for what they were doing. But yeah, this, I mean, there's some, some chat shows worse than ever. This is probably like... Embarrassing yeah. them with all their public information and then yeah. like letting them fight as much as they can legally get away with. He sort of claimed to kind of do like the hard hitting issues, didn't he? Like he did all the like lie detect tests and things like that as well. Compared to like Maury and like yeah. um, like Sally Jesse Raphael going back to the eighties and nineties and yeah. uh, Mickey Lake and people like that, for example. But I think he Jerry Springer show really had the reputation for kind of being more edgy, shall we say? Yeah. But you know, with the fights and arguments and nonsense generally. <laughs> Yeah, I, I like that Diet Coke of Evil quote there. That's so funny. It, it, I did quote that a lot with my friends. Jerry Spring is probably one of the signs of the decay of civilization, isn't it, really? <laughs> Pretty yeah, much. I, mean, Pretty I, much. I understand the argument of the people have got the choice to go on there and all the rest of it, but at, at some point, he was a smart guy. He used to be a congressman or a senator or something like that. And mm. I just think, like, he'll be. It's likely he's smarter than most of the people that appear on his show. And at some point, you've got to take some responsibility for what you're doing. And I felt the same about Jeremy Kyle as well. It was just grandstanding about his fucking morality in front of people. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the thing is, though, it's like half the time, I just think that the, the people he has on are hamming it up as well. Like, I don't, I, don't, I, I struggle to believe that. Of course, of course. There's, a de- there's certainly a degree of fakery in it. And I suspect as years went on, that percentage grew. Mm. But certainly fairly early on, where it was less well known and they could sell it as a show where yes you, you're playing to people's worst instincts because you're saying you can have your 15 minutes of fame but they are still selling it on a degree of we can help you yeah um as years go by that probably got very distorted um yeah. i suppose i suppose at least jimmy Carl had had that had 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 the oh well we're gonna send you with someone who can help you get through whatever issue or kind of thing or counseling or yeah. Offer some sort of help where Springer didn't even have that. It was just like, have yeah, a fight, show, and fight and everyone, and then take care of yourself and each other. Yeah. Like, what? What? <laughs> yes, we knew all along. Sadly. Yes, we knew all along. She was a probably that's one of my favourite gags. <laughs> that, yeah, so funny. You're scheduled for a photo shoot with her from Third Rock. And Rebe- yeah, it is. Yeah, I was saying she was really popular at the time because she was in that show. Isn't Rebecca Romaine in this one? Yeah. yeah, she's in the same scene. You'll get there shortly. Yeah, I will. I'll get there quite quickly. Believe me. <laughs> yeah, I love Third Rock from the Sun. That was such a great show. Never so watched. funny. Never saw it, honestly. Oh, check it out. It's got like, before they were famous. People in it. It's so funny. It's a bit, of a bit of a strange concept, but a bit kind of zany, kooky humour as well. So, might not have appealed to everybody. Kristen Johnson, she just looks Amazonian. She probably isn't. She's probably five foot six or something, but she just looks. <laughs> Ivana Humberland. I think she's quite clever though because she played on like obviously she's you know quite tall and you know being like an Amazon woman, you know and she kind of, I think that's why she was so successful because she played on that a lot as well and the roles that she did. So. Um, I'm just actually going to see if I can find out what height she is. About six foot. So she's tall, but not like freakishly tall. <laughs> Taller than the average lady. Yeah. She's very, very funny, very good, you know, comedic actress for sure. And this is just further proof that Starbucks is evil. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so we didn't need to that before. Yeah, now we know. This is true. 
They you tried know. to tell us all this time. <laughs> <laughs> Back in 1999. <laughs> it, it is funny, though, how many people, not so much now because it's more sort of ingrained in society, but certainly in the UK, if you go back like 10 years, you'd talk to our parents' generation and stuff like that, and they would complain not only about the price of Starbucks, but how it's put in like local coffee shops at a business. But then the next comment would be, when did you last buy a coffee anywhere? <laughs> well, like, it. It, it, I'm sorry. It's cre- it hasn't just, dis- it hasn't just distorted a market. It's created one. <laughs> oh yeah. Before like, you know, before Starbucks, did anyone actually go out and, I mean, I, spo- I suppose over here, it was like more like greasy spoon cafes really, wouldn't it? Yeah, which, yeah. I think the first probably Starbucks which is, I had which... was when I was in America. So, mm. the, and, I, the, and I do hanker back to when we were all out eating greasy animal fats. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah so it's kind of taken off, you know, in sort of recent memory, isn't it? Sort of like cafe culture. Couldn't, um, they, couldn't they have co- compromised and done a bacon and sausage latte? <laughs> I'm sure they will do. Somewhere <laughs> in the world they do it, I'm sure. With fried bread. With fried the, bread biscotti. Fried bread drippings. The, the thing that gets me about this is, like, they do say, well, like, you know, great tasting coffee at affordable prices. I'm like, really? Like, it costs, like, four, four or five fucking quid to get, like, a fucking drink. There's no doubt Starbucks are at least sort of double, if not two and a half times the price of whatever you would have got from a local place before. Yeah. But, like, yeah. it's been the case for about ten years, so that's the price of a coffee now. I don't really give it a lot of thought. The world's never going to stay exactly the fucking same, is it? No. It's going to change. Hey, Belgium. You grew up in Belgium. That gets covered in the third film as well. <laughs> Again, a, you know, a lot of these jokes are very much of 90s, and they're very much of their time. So you kind of have to look at it like that, really. You kind of have to view it through that lens. Mini me. The oh, late God. Vern Troyer. Dear, dear. There's a lot of... um. Off-colour jokes. I, never, I totally forgot about the series as well. There's a lot of jokes that you couldn't... He, not he even, not even drop that like cap when he puts it down. Sorry, sorry yeah. back, I just cut you off. No, that's okay. No, he did just drop it. It wasn't very nice. I, I haven't seen that yet. Um, he's just walking around the table to get into his seat. There you go. He's just sort of raised himself up to the right height. Come, Mr Bigglesworth. <laughs> Which one's distraught? Vern Troyer's or... He just looked a bit like... Err. He just sort of like just it. dropped it because he's... Cause he's doesn't have like no but hopefully they're it. okay oh yeah cat always on his feet anyway it's always a bit worrying when you see animals in film isn't it i mean it's like that scene like in you know, twice twice for example where like bond meets blofeld and like you see he's stroking the cat and he's trying to get out of <laughs> he's trying to make his escape yeah, he is and the cat's not like, yeah that that cat did not like vibe with donald pleasance no but in the, in if, the you next go, scene, if you go and watch the godfather like there's a cat on the set that um brando picked up and he was sat stroking it. This cat looked like the happiest fucking cat in the world. He loves and it. It's good some cat nip. Yeah. You're right. Uh, she's spraying water at him now or whatever. So that's where I am. Mojo. This is the plot Mojo. of the film. Zip it. The libido. The life force. The essence. The right Zip it. stuff. Zip it. Zip it. Good. And it's quite progressive as well with Rafa Bissena having a, having a partner. So... <laughs> I don't know if I would call that progressive, seeing as she's the biggest stere- they're the biggest stereotype yeah, of a pair so, so, of lesbians I mean you can imagine. I mean that ironically. Yeah. yeah, but that's just set up for a joke of like, I'll never love another man. Yes, that's right. <laughs> yes. That's true. <laughs> yes, that's true. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And you have to was... really spell it out. 
if you want a real life experience, they should have been two absolute stunners. <laughs> no, no, no. There are When do I make trillions when we could make millions? Millions. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, though, the Doctor Evil scenes go on too long. Every single time. I did drag it on a little bit. This is quite funny, though. I think the the reasoning for here, though, is because, like, I think Doctor Evil's probably a bit more popular. So they kind of like, well, well, that's more popular. Let's have a bit more Doctor Evil in the next film. Yeah, they beefed him up, probably. Yeah. (laughs) And then they went for a plot in the third one of hero and villain being, like, you know, a shared childhood. Imagine doing that. Oh, God. I'm and, just going to cringe my way through that film. And, 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 and then Bond just goes up, copies it. <laughs> That's going to be really weird. Well, what I loved about that. the Bond series, cop, cop, copying it, is they saw like things like Austin Powers and Die Another Day, and I think they were both equally harmful, along with Born to the Bond series. So the Bond series went, we've got to go grittier, right? Which they did. They still kept more jokes in than people give them credit for. I still think Casino Royale's a solidly quite funny Bond film in places. Mm. But it, it's almost like they left it long enough to forget the, the third Austin Powers film. Like 13 years later, they go, what if they're related? And it's like, <laughs> and the very thing that forced your rethink in the first place, you've forgotten. <laughs> like, oh, shit. <laughs> no, I mean, it was just fucking laziness, really. It really was. Because you hear like Sam Mendes, and he was like, well, you know, Talked about well, it was a bit obvious. It's like well, you had to have something. No, you didn't. You know, if you felt you had to have something because it was a shit idea to begin with. Yeah. What I, lo- what I love about it is where he goes. Um, he said after Skyfall, he said, "To be honest, I don't think I'll do another one because I've really, I've got no further ideas. I've done yeah. everything I ever wanted to do with a Bond film." Then they coax him back and prove he was absolutely spot on. <laughs> and then you know. What is it three, four years later, five years later, four years? And later, this excuse was like, well, I kind of felt bad because, you know, I set, I've, 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 I've set up the world, and you know, it's unfair to kind of, you know, what I mean, it's like it's just such a lame excuse. Yeah, uh, but his next film was nineteen seventeen, which I thought was out magnificent. Yeah, mm, yeah, fantastic film. Um, and and I may not be the biggest Skyfall fan, but I do I do absolutely accept it as one of the Bond films. I just do because it's it's high on so many people's lists, and it's also pretty unique as a Bond film. There isn't much else like it. It is well shot. It does have a great Bond in it. I I, I have no problem with people putting Skyfall quite high up a list. It, so it, you know it, he, it, he, it he made his mark, and that's fine. It did capture a zeitgeist for whatever reason. It really did. Um, yeah. And it like will have it, been many, many, many years since a Bond film did it to that degree. I don't think it's as good as Casino Royale, yeah. but my God, it captured the mood more, way more. Um, I, I just, just, I just wished it didn't fucking celebrate itself every fucking five seconds. But anyway, yeah, yeah. Oh, or uh-huh. go the full hog when he opens that door and the DB 5s there. Just have a wank while do- Judy just looks slightly <laughs> uncomfortably <laughs> on. Just watching. One secret agent. I'm just watching. So dodgy. Now this, this is a play on the, the, this is the uh, Thomas, Thomas Granifer. The original one. Yeah. We mentioned the remake. For those of you listening who don't know, um, and there'll be a few now as time goes on, mm. uh, the original Thomas Crown Affair was a uh, Faye Dunaway, uh, Steve McQueen film. And it, uh, was it Norman Jewison who made it? I, think, I can't remember now. 
Um, I think that sounds it, about right. And, it, and it's good. It's really good. It's a more straightforward bank robbery than the plot of the remake. Um, and whilst I think the remake is probably the better film, the the chess scene in that I've just been distracted tremendously by that. Hang on, uh, but the chess scene in that film was was like actually really well done, and this is taking the piss out of it hilariously. Imagine doing this if you were playing like Gary Kasparov or something. <laughs> <laughs> I love his reaction when he's just being told like how how. Oh, how completely desirable he is. He's like, yeah, yeah, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you a question. That's where I'm up to. Yeah. And be honest. Now, be what, honest, what, baby. Do I make you? Just, make, myself and my friend just created this film all the way through. Oh my god, it was just oh, so hilarious. The problem is they do sort of become victims of their own success, don't they? In that, like, I was fucking sick of pe- people who. I've quoted funny films and it's for others to decide whether I'm ever funny or not. But I like to think occasionally I might make some people laugh or whatever. Yeah. But I often find people who really, really excessively quote these films, it's almost like a substitute for a sense of humour. It just all wears thin after a while, doesn't it? And all they've got is quotes. And it was just fucking constant with this yeah. film. For a, but it, it, it kind of ran off the home release of the previous film, so there's about a five year period where Austin Powers was being brought up reasonably regularly. Yeah, and here we are with Rob Lowe. Who, he's quite good is, in this. He's a perfect, just a perfect young Robert Ragnar. The voice he really was, wasn't he? Yeah. His like, ideal casting. He, mind you, he hasn't aged much either. He still kind of looks the same. Yeah, it it's a bit like Rosamund Pike. She does look her age, but she looks the same at the same time. There is a difference, but the difference is really subtle. So I think it's because she's a Bond girl, and obviously Bond girls are forever, so they've got you know the special genes. So yeah, Bond girls are forever too. You see some of them, and then you're like, they're not really, are they? <laughs> um, so much better than others. Don't think you could do Fat Bastard now. I no, don't know, Dave. I I I think it's uh, quite a fair description of Scottish people. <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah, sorry, I was being insensitive. You've brought me back to a more PC view on it. Yes, you're right, absolutely, <laughs> sorry. As Chris uh, pointed out, yes, obviously Scottish people are fat. And have an appetite for, you know, babies. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Cholesterol in Scottish people eat it. They must it. All joking aside, I don't think you could do Fat Bastard now. I think you could still do the Fembots. I still think you can do like a Womanizer Bond. I think it's all about context and perspective. And and literally, the one joke in this film is he's grotesque because he's so fat. And I'm not sure. I just don't think any kind of name studio would green light this now. No, I think if he was to come back and do like a the fourth one, I guess, um, he'd have to probably drop like 50% of his characters. But I don't. I don't see much else. As I say, the jokes. Austin's a womanizer who did drugs and stuff like that. But I don't think you'd ever have a problem with that. I think it is perspective. You can still have Bond as a womanizer in that. It's what's the world changes around him. He doesn't. But fat bastard is a one joke. And the thing is, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm not trying to sound all PC in 2021 about it. I have to say, I didn't find fat bastard funny at the time, and it was no kind of weight insensitivity either. I just didn't think it was a particularly funny joke. No, a bit one-dimensional yeah. character. Mike Myers has always said that you know Fat Bastard is kind of like his like his three chord punk song joke. 
Like it's very just simple and just like doesn't give a f- you know. And I think I know what he means by that. It's it, it, it it's just like there's there's not a lot to it. It's like yeah, it's 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 loose and free and 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 and, and, and easy. But that's kind of like the point of it. So I think yeah. it's like whether you like it or you don't. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It, it, yeah, it kind of works. And, and I am certainly not saying. On a, on a personal level, I'm particularly offended by it, but no. I recognise that where where things are now, it would almost be a brave studio that would say, "Yeah, no problem at all." Um, I think there'd be a great deal of sensitivity and discussion about how you portray it and the script. And on a personal level, while I'm not offended by it, I, w- I wouldn't have cared if you made a film without it because it's not that funny. Except his sort of, I mean, his sense of disgust over. Heather Graham having sex with that bastard is funny despite itself. We're just going in the time travel bit now. It's like, yes. Oh, this is the the whole joke about just don't worry, viewers. Yeah. I like I like he just sort of time travels back into his pad of people just having parties at his apartment. Yeah, that's all. It's just part time all the time. <laughs> yeah. The only thing I will say, whilst I've liked the sort of modern incarnation of James Bond, um, he never looks like he's having a lot of fun, does he? You can't imagine like a party at James's place. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's never there. Home. He's never, you know, never home yeah. enough to have a party. So, yeah, but yeah, have to true. hire an Airbnb. That's true, but then that's not. I mean, that's not really the character of Bond, though, is it? I mean, no, he's he's never been that care- carefree. In fact, I I, I think. I've always thought the sort of Brosnan Moore interpretation is actually like a kind of misreading or a sort of reinterpretation of the character anyway. Mm. They're, they're not close to the literary version. Should it be? I don't know. You know, the films are, are, are all of their own. And if you like Roger Moore and Pierce Brosnan, great. You know, I was watching um, Spy Love Me literally yesterday. But um, it's not so much for me. For anyone listening who doesn't know who does, who is, does follow us because of Bond and they've just announced the... Um, Ian Fleming Foundation that there's a, a book coming next May uh, for Ian Fleming well it'll be obviously the 60th anniversary of the film series starting but it'll also be it'll coincide with Ian Fleming's what would have been his 114th birthday basically so next May Anthony Horowitz will be penning a third well he won't be doing it in May he will be releasing you're writing it now to release his, next yeah, May his third so for those of you who've read that, the Anthony Horowitz books, uh, Trigger Mortis is set just after Goldfinger, the book by Goldfinger. Um, so Pussy Galore is, is in that book and so on. And then uh, Forever and a Day was about him becoming a double O. Uh, and mis- missions that are actually mentioned in the Fleming books, but it, 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 it you know, the, the previous double O seven dies and, you know, the story around that. And so the new one is apparently going to be set after The Man with the Golden Gun, which was the last of the full-length Ian Fleming novels. So he will have done mid-career, start of career and end of career. And that's coming next year. Looking uh, forward to that. Should be good. Trigger Mortis, I thought, was all right. I enjoyed it. Forever in a day, I adored. I thought it was brilliant. Definitely recommend them. Do check them out if you haven't. He, he really ca- he, for me, he captures Fleming's voice. No, he really does. Um, there's a few continuity errors in certainly forever in a day. Uh, with when you that that should have been picked up, but if someone told you it was a lost Fleming, you would believe them, but think maybe oh Fleming's forgotten his own continuity there. But that but that's it. It's roughly right. 
it, it reads like Fleming's descriptions of food and clothing and action and stuff like that. He's really mm. captured it in a way that I didn't think like Sebastian Fawkes did. No, I think with Fawkes, kind of, he kind of got like the snobbery, like of sort of the classes and the sort of things with the, with the cars as well. But I think yeah, he's kind of really captured that the essence of him. I think you still have to focus on the minutiae of life, kind of like the like the way he walks, the way he sort of internal monologue for himself, um, and like the way he dresses and. Yeah, as you say, the, the food that he eats and cigarettes that he smokes, for example. And I think that's kind of why Horowitz has proved so popular. Well, that's actually that, you know, one with, of the continuity fans. errors because uh, Forever in a Day shows you how he ends up smoking the brand he smokes. Exactly. And then you get into a later Fleming book and he's been smoking them for like 20 years. And it's like, mm, hold so, on, but we, but, but we all know the, the continuity timelines a bit wonky anyway. But having said that, apart from that, it, it could be an Ian Fleming for me. Mm, definitely, would agree. Um, so I'm really looking forward to seeing what he does next. Uh, I he really he set me off on like a reread. I've read all of the sort of period Bond films. I've I've read Agard, no, but I've read all the ones that were in the timeline before that, and they do stand out. They're really good. And um, he set me off nicely on sort of a reread because I'd already read most of the Fleming. I've read them all now, um, but I read Forever in a Day before Casino Royale. I thought I'll, I will read them in an order and see how these flow together, and it mm. really did. It really set me off well. Wait till you get to Jorgonda. That's when it gets a little bit crazy. Uh, well, I've read Lic- uh, License Renewed, and I'm struggling. I haven't actually finished it yet because it was just I'm not that I'm not I'm not I'm not really feeling it. No, they, they get a bit crazier. Um, it's very very eighties, <laughs> and it's like he's he's driving a Saab and smoking silk cart. It's like yeah, fucking hell, man. <laughs> it's not the bond you know. <clears throat> well, he said he wanted to behave as though Bond was cryogenically frozen and woken up in the eighties, <laughs> with no is. reference to the missing time. No. Except he's now in an eighties world, and I'm thinking, you missed. That is not the logical extension of Ian Fleming's James Bond, I don't think. It's very 80s. Drugs kicking and screaming. But I may, I may go on and read some more because it's, okay. not, it's not fair to definitively say after like three quarters of one Gardner book. But I have to say, reading all the period ones, funnily enough, I probably liked the majority of Fleming. There's a few I didn't. I like some of the older ones. I like some of the short stories. Um... I really liked both of the um, Horowitz ones. I didn't really like Devil May Care. And I really, I didn't particularly love either Solo or Colonel Sun, which a lot of people like. Oh, yeah, I enjoyed that. There's a whole kidnapping sequence in Colonel Sun, which is absolutely magnificent. And then the rest of the books I can take or leave. But uh, if I've read, I don't know, 2021 of them now or whatever it might be, I've probably really, really enjoyed about half. Yeah, they do. There's variable. variable there's about there. there's about four or five five Fleming that are terrific, and then there's, there's another like two or three that, from my limited rereads of them, um, were were pretty decent. And then there were a handful I didn't like very much, but Horowitz has captured the voice better than anyone since him. And in a Fleming book group with a bunch of Lady Bond fans, um, yeah. and I think we're we're just behind the David Zorowski group. Um, yeah. And like, yeah, I wonder if like when we finish filming, I wonder if we're going to carry obviously carry on with the other continuation novels. But yeah, was, you know, we're, we're just got a similar mind really. There's kind of like four or five which kind of up there, sort of like Moonmaker or um, Majesties, for example. But then I think the next one we're doing is what, what Spy did Love I? Me. What, what did I enjoy? I really liked Casino Royale. 
Mm, I hated Live and Let Die. Now, uh, mm, as much yeah. as you might say, oh, it's of its time, my, attitude, my answer to that has always been the same. Fine. You know, who am I to police, you know, the time or what people want to read? But I found it too much. I couldn't read it. Uh, well, I did read it, but I didn't reread struggle, it. Struggle I didn't through. like it. Moonraker, I thought, was outstanding. Mm, a classic, definitely. Might even be the best of the books. No, it, it isn't my favourite, but I can see how it would be. Uh, Diamonds Are Forever, I didn't like. Uh, what came next? From Russia with Love, I adored. That might be my favourite of the books. Mm-hmm. Uh, Doctor Noah didn't like. Goldfinger, I liked. A lot of people don't like that book. Oh, I think we liked Doctor Noah. Liked it. Um, what else did I like? Uh, the Spectre trilogy, I quite liked. Thunderball. Majesties was absolutely terrific. Thunderball, we thought it was quite funny how he obviously went on a health kick and then dropped all the habits right away. Yeah, no, he, he felt he was even commenting on how much better he felt, and then a few yeah. days in, he's like, "Oh fuck it, I'm gonna." And then like May gives him a fry up, and he's like, "Oh, this is fine." This is fine. Um, I really liked um, Majesties is a really good book, although I, I prefer the film to say From Russia with Love. The books, I think I I, I put them the other way round. Mm-hmm. I quite like The Spy Who Loved Me. And that's about it, really. I don't think I really enjoyed any of the rest. I, I like some of the short stories, the Quantum of Solid story, from A View to a Kill. Yeah, no, they're, they're, quite, they're quite good. They're, they're, they're okay, I think. Yeah. A View really to a Kill is potentially was... a bit boring, but... I quite like it. Um, the uh, I, I like the Quantum of Solid story because it's so different. It's yeah, just, it's, it's, it actually is. It's being told the story of, like, an unfaithful mm-hmm. wife. Nothing to do with his life at all. No, it's, it's, it's set apart from everything else. Yeah, but I'm keen to reread um, Spy Love Me because I've not reread it. I remember like the first time I read it, I was just like what thrown completely out. Yeah, I was ready for it though because I knew, and in fact, I did the audio book of that, and it was read by Rosamund Pike. So I thought, well, this is clearly not from a male perspective then. No, yeah, we didn't see Bond till like three quarters of the way through. Yeah, um, but yeah, I remember sort of reading it the first time and, and just being shocked by how different it is. He turned and then... up to be heroic and do some shagging. Yes, which is pretty powerful. Yeah, and I look forward to rereading it again with the group to see well, what they make. That's of it. quite surprising. Isn't it amazing how talking about Ian Fleming is in no way like talking about <laughs> There's no way talking about the film. It's gone gangrenous quite quick, his leg, isn't it? Well, it has, you know. Doesn't gangrene take a while to settle in? <laughs> Hopefully it'll get better. Mm. Yeah, he doesn't turn up in the uh, the third film, does he? No, Will he doesn't. No, I don't think yeah, so. Here we go then, another overlong doctor. Think, by that time, was he perhaps too famous? Uh, no, he'd have been shooting something like old school around then. In terms okay. of movies, no, not really. He'd have done, he'll have just done Zoolander. Okay. Yeah, because these were the sort of films that kind of introduced, you know, coming off the back of like, mm-hmm. SNL and those sort of things. But they do go hyper, sort of James Bond stroke Star Trek original series vibe in a lot of these this these later films. The wall behind him, that the sort of hollowed out there. There's a lot of sets in Star Trek that look a bit like that. Hmm. Yeah, it's a stereotypical hollowed out looking there. There's always the you know there's always like tapes and computers in there. I mean, I, I don't I don't know if that you know. That was ever a thing, you know, because I'm no expert on it, on it, but well, it's I, always, I just always think, been a thing. Well, I just think like the Cuban Missile Crisis could have been um, averted much quicker if, if someone had had a tape of, like, best marches. Because <laughs> that really worked well in, like, Diamonds Are Forever. 
Mm, destroy this mess. Yeah, I was just, I was just thinking about about that. Funny enough, the the film and just how it's probably the worst of the Bond films. Yeah, well, I'm just taking a, I'm just taking sort of my partner through them all. Um, I'm trying not to like force my interest on her, but she hasn't seen them all and wanted to. And so, watch about one a week, sometimes miss a week. And we're up to The Spy Love Me, which was watched like earlier this week. Um, and uh, yeah, D- Diamonds Are Forever. I don't know if it's because I was sat there making various comments, but you can see she wasn't impressed. Mm. She really liked From Russia with Love, or she liked From Russia with Love. She did find it a little slow. Um, loved Goldfinger. Really, really liked Majesties, although she'd seen that before because it's my favourite. Um, Spy You Love Me she just kind of laughed at and I still can't tell whether she was <laughs> laughing at it in a way or about. I don't know if she was laughing at it in the same way I laugh at Roger Moore Bond films as in what the fuck as or in, whether she was as in the commentary this guy's really funny Yeah, I think she was probably laughing next to it uh, tell us she should like, listen to the commentary and watch it yeah the commentary was. I'm still. I don't know that we've ever done a better commentary from Dust Till Dawn. Would give it a run, but not many. Yeah, I think they're sexy otters. Uh, the sexy <laughs> otters. Yeah. <laughs> um, That'll go down in history. I, I, I think the spy you love it. Sometimes you get a. It's like on Facebook. Occasionally, you'll like someone or like or dislike one of your posts, and you just think, well, a lot of the time with not Facebook, YouTube. Sorry, a lot of the time with YouTube, it's people who've just happened across it and don't really know what we are. So I don't care either way. But occasionally where there are a lot of likes or a lot of dislikes, it doesn't bear any relation to the shows that I think are good or bad. And I think with The Spy Who Loved Me, although I think it's pretty good, I think a lot of my fond memories of doing it was how much we laughed. It wasn't about how funny we thought it would be for everyone. It was about the fact we were killing ourselves for two hours. And quite often the shows I'm not that not that I don't feel that strongly about either way are the ones that people come back and say oh, I really enjoyed that one of the best yeah. shows you've done. You go really? That was just <laughs> it was just a show to me. It was okay. Um, the Spy Who Loved Me though was probably the commentary we've laughed most at, along with From Dust Till Dawn because he, he, when I tried to cut a trailer together to From Dust Till Dawn. I couldn't find clips where we weren't giggling like fucking imbeciles. <laughs> so I ended up putting a trailer together where we sort of say something, then you can't work out what I'm saying because I'm laughing too hard. <laughs> did, we did laugh too much. And, and it's like, that's all I can find. Sorry. <laughs> it's getting on. Hey, does that imply his penis shoots liquid hot magma? Magma. <laughs> Probably. It's always something like that, isn't it? Like a train going into a tunnel or yeah, fireworks going off. Or a rocket being pulled up into position. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this is the shit joke. Yeah, I just skip. Or is that No, later? no, no, it's not. It's, That's later because um, they haven't collected it, have they? This is where we find he's lost his mojo. Heather Graham's another one who doesn't really change. She's she looks the 50, same. Yeah, she's about 50, 51 now, something like that. Don't look any different, really. <laughs> she's, she's one that I... It's not that I think she's a great actress, but she has a reasonable screen presence, and she was very popular after this, and Boogie Nights. So I, I think she's nice. someone where I go, how is she not at least a more... I wouldn't say a bigger star, but like a more ubiquitous screen presence? 
why did we not see her in loads more stuff? And she's pretty good at comedy as well, you know? Also, you had busy spells, don't you? There's a time when you kind of, a lot of, you know, these actors, you see them in a lot of things and then it kind of, it comes in waves really, doesn't it? So, Mm. I always think she's the least, I think she's like the least favourite or like, whatever you want to put it, um, Mm. of of the girls and the Austin Powers girls. (laughs) Okay, bongo. Doesn't quite have to it. No, um, but she does fit the part of the area she's meant to be from. She does very much yeah, look like. That, that's why I'm trying she to. She does. Quite, yes, she sells it. That's why I'm trying to be quite careful with my wording because I'm not saying why was she not a massive star. That's the sort of thing I'd say about L- Linda Fiorentino, who was like really talented and had unbelievable screen presence. I'm not saying she should have been like. I'm not saying she was like the next Meryl Streep or something. I'm I'm not saying anything like that. I'm saying she did Boogie Nights and was really popular for a role in that. She did this. She's obviously game for a joke. She's willing to do partial nudity. And um, I'm just surprised that I've only probably seen her in like three or four things in the two decades that have followed. Now, she'll have been in more of that, but I'm talking about things that cut through. I mean, what was she in? Probably she didn't sleep with Harvey Weinstein or... Or whoever yeah, it else. Could, it could even be something <laughs> like that, couldn't it? Linda Fiorentino. Or, or is just the one unlucky. Because you know, Linda Fiorentino did The Last Seduction when she was about 34. And she was in Men in Black. And then I can think of another few things she was in, like Dogma. But she was just unbelievable if you go and watch The Last Seduction. She's that good that you think, how is this not an absolutely major star? But then you what? don't know behind the scenes, do you? What, what a, what happened are they with being her, asked though? to do? B, she... what are they being asked? Well, I have heard, picking that one example, I have heard Linda Fiorentino can be a bit difficult. But I don't she's, know. So I don't she's know not acting anymore, though, is she? I don't know. Is she not? I don't know. She would be in her 60s by now. Um, and, and that's not to sound ageist. It's just to reflect what we know Hollywood can be like. Well, it depends. It's one of those things, isn't it? I mean, it's like... You know, obviously, an actor or actress decides, you know, they're going to have a family or they, they've got other things yeah. they need to prioritise. Ladies could be and gentlemen, Mr. Burt Beckerick. Mr. Burt Beckerick. Elvis Costello. Um, yeah, some of those things they could choose. Yeah, they, they, they don't want to be in films uh, anymore or they want to. Just as an aside, sorry to talk over you, Becker, well, before he disappears, uh, this is also the same year as Notting Hill came out and he, he did She for the soundtrack. Yes, fun fact. That was one of the sort of couple of songs that broke out from that film. As well as um, Ronan Keating. Yeah. You say it best. (laughs) His career went to strength to strength as he did the singing voice of Postman Pat. you seen that film because? No. <laughs> I haven't seen that film. I was listening to the Alan Partridge podcast a year or two ago yes. when Stephen Mangan, you know, Dan, went on it. <laughs> Dan. And um, they were asking him about that film and he said that um, he thought he was being, because he was being hired for a musical, he assumed he was doing the singing voice of Pat as well. And then they were like, do you want to do it? Open, he would say no. And they were like, well, no, because we've got. And it wasn't Ronan Keaton at that stage. It was Gary Barlow. And there was a late change and it became oh, Ronan Keaton. So he was talking about that. Wow, so you literally went from Take That to Boyzone. 
Yeah, which is kind of so. What so so if so if, so if Roland Keaton said no, would they have gone to Brian Harvey? Like <laughs> would have gone straight to no, would have gone to Westlife, wouldn't it? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah, obviously with Ronan. That's probably the lineage of nineties uh, and two thousands boy bands in the UK, ladies and gentlemen. Funny, me and Chris have mentioned that to each other when Becca's probably the best placed in terms of age <laughs> to comment on that. Take that all the way. Yeah, I, I thought like take that when they when they sort of came back, they were actually better than they were when yeah, in when the heyday. I love the fact that they had absolutely zero change in their fan base either, because basically when they were first around, they were beloved by like thirteen-year-old girls, and then they came back like two, two decades later, and, uh, and were beloved by thirty-three-year-old girls. Yeah, exactly. Whose <laughs> teenage daughters were all into it as well because yeah, it was retro. That's, that's basically what happened. Yep. Yeah, it's quite funny because they're all like. Obviously, good to see them in the various tours when they came back, and they sort of go, like, you know, the friends, and they're like, "Oh yeah, the kids into it as well." It's like, yes. And because it's Gary Barlow, you can probably get the tickets cheaper cash in hand. <laughs> but much. <laughs> no, to, to, be, um, yeah, to be serious, they did put on a really, really good show. So I can, I can definitely vouch for that. Um, but yeah, I'd probably say they're more popular in their comeback than they were when they were popular. Sales wise, probably not. Touring wise, probably because yeah. their fan base will have had more money in their pocket. Well, exactly, then. exactly. You won't have to buy off the yeah. parents. So. Yeah. But I think even generally, like, you know, they've actually made better songs per hour. Yeah, for sure. Like, no, I, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's me getting older, kind of. You know, I always think about like you know my younger self going, "What? Take that? Uh." Mm-hmm. It's now, like, it's now, 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 like now, 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 I'm kind of like unironically listening, listening to like rule the world and really enjoying it. You know, <laughs> I love this. This is a good joke. Oh God! Wait a minute. Something's itching me. So it takes the top down. You don't see anything, sadly. Um, but I love, I love when when she says something like, "He says, how's that for you, baby?" And she goes, "Lower. How is that? How's that for you, baby?" <laughs> I think that's quite funny. Uh, that's it. How does that feel, baby? How does that feel, baby? He's scared now. She's going to want sex. And mm. he's lost his mojo. <laughs> Can't his penis enlarger machine help? It, it, it kind of reverses the the plot threads from the, the first film because in the mm. first film, Austin goes and sleeps with like the enemy... And he's like, I shagged her, baby. Yeah. And 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 here the exactly same thing happens with Austin feeling a bit hurt by it as well, like. Yeah. And he just wants to be loved for him. Although mm. by the end of the film he wants a threesome with himself, but fair enough. Technically it's not cheating. Which is another deleted scene. Um I thought it was in the film. Oh no, there's um no, those those deleted scene where like an alternate thing where it kind of cuts to um, Doctor Evil's layer. Isn't it the same scene? Isn't it fundamentally the same scene with some different lines? Yeah, so you, you cut to like Doctor Evil, Doctor Evil's yeah. layer, and it's actually old number two with young number two. And he's like, yeah. "Well, that was yummy." You know what the best part is? <laughs> Technically, start cheating. <laughs>
a lot's happening for us. Oh, that, that's next week, but yeah, <laughs> oh, oh. that's the next film, isn't it? I, I, I always always love Michael York's just earnest. He's brilliant. What's happening? He, he, I love the fact that he plays it like, uh, and Michael York's a fine actor, so this is not meant as a criticism at all. But he plays the character like it's his first acting job. <laughs> He's got that enthusiasm, I mean? hasn't he? Yeah. yeah, that's all it is. It's deliberate. It's a deliberate choice. I'm not suggesting it's poor acting or anything. <laughs> Madonna, be beautiful stranger. That was like around all that. That, that's oh gosh, yeah. that video was. Video. Uh, there are still music channels. We've talked about this in another show, but music channels were a lot sort of more of a thing, certainly at home then. I would say. Yeah, MTV, VH1. Um, and Beautiful Stranger played constantly. Yeah. Takes me back to. Yeah, it's like the tune of the summer. <clears throat> yeah, she's, rub- what, she's rubbing her ass in his face while he's trying to drive and stuff like that. <laughs> and I remember one of my university friends going, "Imagine that!" And I'm going. Yeah, <laughs> how, how, how graphically do you want me to imagine it now, Yoria? Uh, he is disgusting, though. Not just because of the weight, but the way they've made him up and he's all greasy. And, uh... I, ne- I would never want to eat chicken that looks that pink. No. I'd say it looks like it might give you food poisoning. Yeah, one of these is the Alan Parsons project, and one of them's Preparation H, and I forget which film's which. Ooh, feisty, are we? Feisty, are we? Uh, I, well, I'm at the. He's pointing the laser at Washington DC on his little sort of mock. You'll we'll get there in a minute. We'll catch you up. Death Star. Very topical because the Star Wars film comes out, and when you bear in mind, Episode Six repeated the whole sort of Death Star thing from Episode Four, and George Lucas had often talked about. Um, the things rhyming so that could have been incredibly pressing it wouldn't have been a shock if there'd been some kind of death star in episode one it would have been something different but i mean there was there was effectively a death star in episode seven just was called something <laughs> different the alan parsons project we've used that on a trailer for one of our episodes in the past i think we probably have it's one of the roger moore bonds that was a few years ago Excuse me. Just pointed out if they, if you were doing these films now, Austin, but if at the same time, like Austin would have to be from like 1991 or something. Yeah, I don't know. It, it kind of somehow wouldn't work. I don't think. No, well, it's like Back to the Future. It's got to point at a specific time, or otherwise you're making a different film. You're making like Hot Tub Time Machine or something. Yeah, it'd be too retro, and I think it's I don't know. It's. I mean, Hot Tub Time Machines had had its other its its own sort of period specific jokes that some of them worked, some of them didn't. But I mean, we're Back to the Future. We talked about it when we did that series a few years ago, but you had like the sexual revolution happen between the two eras and things like that. 1991 isn't different enough. It is different. I mean, Christ, there was barely any internet back then, but societal mores would only be different in a way that would make 1990s look terrible. 
because it, it wouldn't be a loss of innocence. It would be it would be greater intolerance or something like that. It would be really difficult to do. It would be technical. It would be more technical. Uh, I'll say that again. Technological advances. I, I think so, because that's what they did with Tom, Hot Tub Time Machine. He had to go back to 1986, and it's like he wanted to meet up with some girl and they had to like arrange to meet at a certain time in a certain mm. place and it's like well can't i you know email you or something and it's like well i'd have to walk that's exhausting <laughs> real mixed bag hot tub time machine but it has got its moments it's it's kind of worth a look the sequel's garbage This was a grim joke. I mean, I don't think about things too literally, but this was a grim joke when they burst open the door in a minute. And it's basically where he's had a massive shit. He's left a floater. Here we go. <laughs> I like that. It's just like, just not a very sort of big tracker, then. It's only got like, you know. <laughs> he, 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 well, it looks like he hasn't really wiped his ass. He's just get up. It's, it's half of it's on the seat hook. At the front. I wonder what that will teach you. We've got to get this sample to the lab. I mean, that, that's quite a big room for a toilet. What are they analysing for? When you think about it, right? Yeah, it, I was going to say that. Don't think it, about it too much. It's got fat bastard stool sample written on it, so they know how... Hello. Uh, yes, so they so know, what do they, they need to send it to the lab for? Yeah, what are they trying to find out? It's a bit like where the man with the golden gun, where Bond tries to find a fucking bullet when they've already got one. I think. I think. Yeah, I don't think about like, it too much. Because store sample then they detect like sort of what food he's had, so they could detect like you know in air, in certain areas like where he might have been. What so? Is he eating babies and chicken? What I mean, so they'll 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 run the test and they'll go ah he's had a little chef. There's one of them in Canning Town. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> but it's just an excuse for you know uh, to oh, drink some shit this coffee smells like shit it's a bit nussy it is shit Austin I, I, I sort of got that the wrong way around I thought he'd already tasted it before and said it tasted like shit no he said it smells like shit and he, has, and he, <laughs> he only like... drinks it once it's confirmed to him it is only it's disgusting. I just pretty gross. Oh, good. Not just me. Yeah, not just me then. Scoffy shit, Austin. I must. I remember seeing that at the cinema, and like the whole audience just went, "Ugh!" A bunch of school kids. It was so funny. We we went, Ugh. I would agree, but I was 22 at the time. <laughs> I would have been 16, 19. Coming up on 17. You'd have been 16 still. Yeah, I, I don't know what... Was it, were they all, like, was it sort of 15s or... I can't remember. Yeah, what, I don't think... I'd have thought so. It was 12, this. Was it? Was it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Why did, I think, why did I think I was too young? I don't know why, because I seem to remember... I think maybe it was the third one, I don't know. Like, you had to be accompanied by an really adult. Sick. Yeah, I don't know. But I, but I would have been like sort of 15, 16 sort of thing. Maybe I'm, I'm thinking of a different film. I can't I'm remember. I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe they came along for the ride. No, I think you know, it was probably the first film. 
It's Tim Robbins as the president. So, yeah, I forgot he was in this film. Oh my gosh. $100 billion. I don't know if this is the same year he made a film called Arlington Road. Yeah. Oh, that was a good film. It, it's a film that's completely disappeared from public consciousness. Now, Chris is always not warning me about this, but conversations Chris and I have had over the years. Quite often I'll remember a film that was really good, go to say how good it is, and Chris will be... No, shit. When, when, no, not so much, no, it was shit, but just when did you last see it? Because your perceptions and memories can yeah, slightly mislead you. Um, I remember him, him giving like a, a quite a... Um, but I, rem- I remember that film being very good. Quite a vivid performance, shall we say. It's him and Jeff Bridges. And he plays kind of like a, somebody who may or may not have planted a bomb somewhere or... Yeah, like, just ha- the contrivance of the plot is like Jeff Bridges' character lectures on like anti-terrorism and things like that, and this guy lives on his street and he starts thinking he might be like a terrorist. Yeah, may or not be a terrorist. Yeah, yeah, it's like a, it's like a high concept type sort of thing. Mm. Yeah, yes, but he gives a good performance it's, though. It's quite well done, but I think that was '99. I think you're right. Thinking of who I was with and where I was at that time. That was probably one of the first films I had on video. <laughs> Independence Day is a film I've never vibed with at all. Didn't like it. Oh, legendary. Probably good. Probably good. I don't like. I've gone on not to like anything Roland Emmerich's ever done. No, it's quite a controversial film. Okay, I remember going to see like the, the long-awaited sequel, like with my dad, because we both loved the first film, mm. and we sort of came out thinking. Mm, I, I, I honestly, I just thought the original was dumb as fuck, but it might have been the age I was. I was still in the early years of my pretentious phase that should end any day now. But I think, I think with that film, there is, there's a sort of degree of it is meant to be like a big dumb action, ow, action movie. Yeah, I didn't love it. I have to say. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's definitely one of those like Marmite type movies. It's similar with like other sort of big action blo- action blockbusters of the day. Like either, you know, you love them or you hate them. Um, some people are just sort of like, oh yeah, this you know the best movie, and it's kind of one of those really iconic sort of action you know action blockbusters of, of the day. But then sort of people are like, no, it's a load of shit. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, it is the case longer. and was the case then and is becoming more the case as I get older. Yeah. No criticism of anything anyone chooses to like. If I make fun of it, it's only ever in really good nature. If you if you grew up, particularly if you grew up, you know, depending on the age you are now as well, that like if you grew up with it or something like that and you've got some nostalgia for that film, then fair play. You have no problem at all. But it's a film I never, ever liked. She looks amazing there. She puts Honey Rider to shame. <laughs> although he, looks... I think that's a, it's a really good. I think that's probably better than Dino the Day. I think that's that's she's, probably well, the, she's that's not, a better. She's, she's not holding her belly in for a start, and also I'm going to say it. She's more attractive than Ursula Andress. It's the best um, Honey Rider emerging from the sea. Oh, the one in the one in Die Another Day was ridiculous because they even not only was it in a film that was constantly going, "Hey look, hey look, hey look." Um, the Casino Royale did it better. But it, so. but it was but it was actually a DVD extra. Yeah, it was where you like could that. watch her emerging it from the sea in slow motion from multiple angles. <laughs> it 
It was just the dumbest DVD extra, apart from the one on the very same disc, which was them boasting about the parasailing sequence and how good the CG was. Mm. Strangely enough, that isn't on the extras anymore. <laughs> no, because it looks awful. Enough. It looks terrible. I just, I do, I would be I ashamed. I wouldn't be ashamed if that had to go out because there could be any number of reasons for it, like budget or you've run out of time or dodgy effects make their way into films. But if you got to the point, you're sat in front of a camera, phase two camera, boasting about how you did it. It's like, well, that's a major fucking delusion. (coughs) Dear, dear. Oh, this is also one of the things that's in deleted stuff. They bring back the penis large a bit for this. Oh, I always thought it was a bit of a missed opportunity. Are we I talking? Are we talking about this gag with the sort of shadows? Yeah, because like in um, I don't remember the penis enlarging. No, cause it's, I, in dele- I, it's in deleted stuff. So we like she. she no, but I've out. seen the deleted scenes with the alternate dialogue, which makes me think I must have seen them. Tell it, what's. You basically sort of see like the shadow of the of, of her pull out the penis line, just saying, like, "What's this?" Like, it's not mine. I don't know how it's got there. And like, what on the henchman like watching him? Like, I've seen those in Sweden. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> I was like, I just thought it's a really, it's, it's it's really good, it's a really good throwback gag. I thought, yeah, it should have, should have kept it in. I love the fact that they've put him in trousers just tight enough for this to work. That it might be might be his last time. Which a gear homage. <laughs> yep. Oh dear. What sort of things can you pull out of your backside? <laughs> it's one of those things like Freddy Star ate my hamster. That's been made up as a headline somewhere and it's never ever gone away as a rumour. Somewhere in the sun. And it'll almost certainly be absolute fucking nonsense, but it's See, just like it's one of those sensationalist news so magazine it's, headlines. Is that rumour about Richard Gear, you know, is 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 isn't is the fact well, not a fact, but isn't it also a rumour that it was started by Stallone and that's why they both hate each other? I don't know. I didn't know that. I'd not heard that before. I've heard that, but, I don't, but again, it's, it's something to that be honest, sounds it, like a rumour really, It really does, de- it does depend how graphic I want my Google search history to be. <laughs> um, but honestly, for, first time anyone mentions him, that's almost, if you've heard that rumour, it's the first thing you'll think of. You mm-hmm. won't think a pretty woman, an officer, and a gentleman, the cotton club, and that is it. I think of that horrible rumor. It will be that rumor. Although I think that time when he appeared on The Simpsons. Uh, have I seen that episode? I'm not sure. I think he tries to convert Lisa to, to Buddhism. Right. That sounds a blast. Hmm. I think Paul McCartney's in it too. Oh, that was the vegan one. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, funny enough, when I think of Richard Gere, I just think of blinking. That's due to, what, you know, listening to Kermode all this time. Well, yeah, he does, <laughs> look, he does look down and blink a lot. It was like his version of that sort of Clooney sort of neck tilt. I just kind of looked really, wasn't it? Yeah. He, he's not at all a bad actor, actually. And um, I reviewed the I reviewed um, the, the French film Breathless um, oh. a few months ago. 
1960 or 61 film, whichever one it was, Franz or Truffaut. Oh, the classic. Um, and he was in a remake of it in the 80s. And, and Kermode is one of these people that he's always worth listening to. Even if you disagree with him, he's, he's worth listening to. But he's got a few hot takes. And one of his hot takes, I think, is that the, the Breathless remake from the 80s is better. Um, and I have seen the remake and remember thinking it was really good, but it was too long ago for me to say whether I think it's better or not. I think, to be fair, I think he, he does say, well, I, I quite like Richard Gere, so that's probably why. That's probably a large part of the reason why. Yeah. There are actors like that where I can't always see the appeal. I mean, Richard Gere's not so bad, but I mean, the, the absolute headline for me is Nick Cage. I know people who genuinely and unironically think Nick Cage is a wonderful, incredible, talented, unique actor. Uh, and I think I, I fucking hate watching him. Mm. And I always have. Doesn't mean I've hated everything he's ever been in. That's not true. But I genuinely find him like a fucking horse faced gimp. Uh, I find him unpleasant to watch and listen to. And and it's only got worse as his tax problems have got out of hand and he now does literally anything for money. Again, if you like if you like him, great. We've all got different tastes and we all react mm. to people in a different way. Can't stick the guy. I think he's dreadful. I think it's just it's just you know, of course of course, isn't it? Because mm. you know, pe- people just I think it's not to say about even the acting. It's just well, you know. Sometimes, and... sometimes it's almost like a visual reaction to yeah. seeing somebody, and there's just something about Nick Cage. I think I don't like his face. He looks like he's been beaten with an iron or something. He's the aftershot in a Tom and Jerry cartoon, you know. I'm trying to think about if there's anyone like that that I have a reaction to. I can't think of anyone particularly that I uh, that I just cannot uh, watch Nick, and go you, like, "Oh my you've god!" One or two in the past. I forget forget who you name now. You definitely diff- name somebody. I mean, I can probably name people like celebrities who or yeah. actors who I don't particularly like, but it's not like I have a yeah. visual like, oh my god, I can't stand you. Yeah, but with Nick Cage, it's within reason. In that, yeah. if a Nick Cage film came out, I've got no anticipation whatever. He would do anything for money. His quality control's always been all over the place. By the way, that includes really good films. Um, but like you know, if, in a, your perception would be in a ten-year period, he'd done nothing but dross. But when you actually went through it, you could find some decent films. Um, but I, I'm now at the stage that I'd have to have someone I trust recommend it. I, I'd have to have you say to me like, "Oh it, no, it's good. Honestly, he's really quite good in it." Because most of the time, he seems to make the bizarrest acting choices as well. It's almost like a more famous Crispin Glover. It, you know I what I mean? Kind of gets, you know, they reach where, a point in their career where, where they where, think, "Oh, screw it! I'm just going to make any old time, any old, you yeah, know, make the film you want to the, make." Some of the faces he pulls, some of the line deliveries he chooses, and I'm just thinking, "Are you even fucking trying, or are you actually taking the piss?" And yet, there's people whose opinion I respect who really like him, so it it has to some degree to be me. Although. He's, he is getting harder to defend as the years go by because his quality control has just got worse and worse and worse. Yeah, I, I, yeah, that's I sort of think. Yeah, he just kind of got to that point in his career where it's just like you can do what you want. So, yeah. Or if you know if somebody's having yeah. like a questionable phase in their career. To be, to be honest, I mean, I, I would genuinely and unironically rather do a Christian Slater marathon. Oh gosh. <laughs> uh, 
because Christian Slater's not as in your face. You know, and, and, and a lot of the stuff I've said about Christian Slater, there's been a grain of truth in, but I'm like playing it up a bit for a laugh and stuff. I don't really rate him, but I've seen Christian Slater do like comedic turns and be okay. I mean, I, I actually unironically quite enjoyed Churchill, the Hollywood years. <laughs> you know, it wasn't all, you know, he's not all bad. Whereas like Nick Cage, I'm, I'm struggling to find the performances I like. I mean, there's no doubt it's going back a long time now, but I think he took his Oscar for leave in Las Vegas and he was genuinely superb, genuinely. But they're, they're just they're just surrounded in dross. So here we go. What is it, son? I don't know, <laughs> but it looks like a giant dick. Yeah. Oh, look, it's David, whatever he's called. Champ kind, sports. Yeah. Someone's. I, th- I think my favourite is Wang and Johnson. Yeah. Long, smooth shaft, complete with two, two balls. balls. <laughs> Wang, pay attention. I was distracted by that enormous flying Willie. <laughs> yeah, I think that's got to be my favourite one. Willie Nelson's another guy who didn't like change vis- visually in years. He still looks the same. Uh, He's got that same signature iconic look. He's permanently 80. He is. He's just permanently that very cool hippie style. There's something about Heather Graham's top there that is both erotic and making me ache for a couple of baked potatoes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it's it's the silver shiny, isn't it? Yeah. With a bit of, uh, you know, sour cream. Waxed on top of it. Oh, God. Yeah, you are quite. You are quoting the greatest of all Bond girls. That's actually quite a deep cut because it wasn't that good a line, but it wasn't like memorably bad. It was just poorly delivered by a not very good actress. Average. Yeah, that was uh, when he said uh, about the caviar. Yeah, and she goes with sour cream, and you're like, you just desperately give this woman a line. I saw the fact that this guard is just. Lately, not listening to the conversation at all. You know, yeah. it'd be super like. I love the fact he goes from super jealous to showing your tits, love. <laughs> and I, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm sure the floor was moving faster than the than the scene actually. So he stopped even moving, so they could actually just hang there for ages. That happened, that actually happened in a Bond film though, because in Die Another Day, she's tied to that fucking desk, and the lasers go in it like her head. And it, it doesn't move in several minutes at all. You see it move a little bit when she's first put there, but that's it. And listeners, if you think you've missed out on anything there, boogie notes. <laughs> I got a brand new pair of roller skates. Which is a song I can't hear without thinking of I've got a brand new combine harvester. <laughs> Which is oh, worth looking up to any of our American listeners because it's sung by people with accents from my part of the world. <laughs> I got a brand new carbine harvester, a rocky key. <laughs> do they do uh, <laughs> covers as well? I don't know. I don't know the Wurzels. They're still tour. Good old again, Somewhere you will see the Wurzels are playing. And yeah, they always pop up at like, festivals, don't they? Yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll probably play Glastonbury every year or something like yeah, that. Yeah, but, yeah like, they probably do it, sort it, of it won't, it won't be Glast, Glastonbury. It will be the, like, you know, Farts End Folk, folk and Mead Festival. <laughs> <laughs> Broadlands, near Hampshire. Yeah. Oh, no, that's Gypsy Kings. Um, 
The moon's quite close to the Earth there. Yeah, not too far away. Again, we'd laugh because she just hit herself, but like Grace Jones did that in her Bond film. Most of the silliest bits of this film you Whoever did it funnier. the sillier Bond films. just going back to the Nick Cage thing just go back a year or two when they released like all those screenshots of him in the, like the Superman get up and the, the amount of film Twitter that went mad with oh, what, what a lost classic that was Tim Burton and Nick Cage Superman I can't see I can't see it, it, would, like... have been, it would have been fucking garbage I mean, I mean, I, I would have enjoyed to see the spectacle, like, oh, yeah. I would have been, but... I... He's just, he, it's just, it's not decent casting under any, you know, the it, sensibility it, of Tim Burton's would have been too, it. it would have been too wacky. Yeah. It would have been. It, it, it's, it's right up there with, like, Marlon Brando asking if he can play Jor-El as a fucking suitcase. You know, it's just a whole wrong sensibility for it. Uh, you never know. Any film could surprise you. Um, I've read about chaos on film sets and the mm. end result came out pretty well. We'll be talking about that when we get to Bourne because those films should have been absolutely terrible and they came out, certainly the early ones came out really well. But I, I cannot see. I mean, my, my, my sort of mileage with Tim Burton varies anyway, particularly post sort of, well, when did Tim Burton start going to shit? You know what I mean? Certainly pre that Superman time. Um, I mean, he did. He surprises you now and again because, like, Big Fish was beautiful. But um, and I, I, as I say, it just looks like all wrong. And and then you see the screenshots of what it what he would have looked like, and it's like I'm so, I, I know it needs lighting, but that looks awful. <laughs> it's um, the documentary on it is called "The Death of Superman Lives." Um, which is worth looking up if you see it, and it's it's all about the sort of attempts to bring that version to the screen uh, and the versions before it, it um, sort of between Reeve and when you get to like Brandon Routh and all the rest of it. But it focuses very heavily on the aborted version that Tim Burton was going to make, which he got paid in full for. He said they basically did everything but make they you know they did everything but shoot the film. So I'm assuming this is meant to be Lyndon Johnson. <laughs> yeah, yeah, have to be. Yeah, it have to be. Well, that have to be. Time. But there's, there's nothing Lyndon Johnson about him. Well, you always like have some ran- like random president, and don't they anyway? I love the obvious dialogue. You get that in Bond films as well. Let's find Dr. Evil. Like, can you imagine flying all that way and that hadn't occurred to you? <laughs> I think that's why they include it, though. It's that kind of yeah. dodgy dialogue that you find in any old movie. Of course. Watch Quick, let's in, explain the plot. Watch them in, in order. Um, although iconically, no, not at all. But in terms <laughs> of style and some of the mistakes. Like, yeah. I watched The Man with the Golden Gun last week. 
and that's the one that is really sloppy like uh knickknack throwing bottles that are already broken because it's sugar glass him, yeah, him, so him reaching out for good night she's not there and and just nothing being refilmed everything going like oh that take will do um it was the 70s you know there roger, was roger, really a strike on or something roger flying the plane and there's a like a flying shot that's that's really irritating and they didn't think to redo that all that sort of thing no it's obviously not roger no it's not roger's fault all right not at all Bless your little heart. <laughs> dear, dear. And there's always something funny where, like, you know, Austin brutally sort of throws mini me on something. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that is very, very funny. There's one, one in particular. Um, think, uh, next, just next, film, a... next film is fucking hilarious for that oh, I, I'm trying to think of the throw in particular I, I can't remember which film it's in there is a specific throw I'm thinking of he's just spat in his face now Yeah, uh, they, uh, that throw yeah. that is one of them because you're trying to explain why it's funny and it sounds you're trying to rationalise it in your head it's like this shouldn't be funny but it just yeah. is it shouldn't be funny he's, he's beating up on a little person basically yeah. Yeah. That was <laughs> funny. Him swinging his nuts and banging the back of his head. Um. Vern Troyer wasn't much of an age when he passed. No. Poor little bugger. Yeah, I feel, I feel a bit for Ventura in this film, definitely. Watching this again, albeit without sound, but I've got the subtitles on, I, I think I'm pretty confident this is not as strong as the first film. No, but I, I think it's... it's... It's the funniest, I think, of the two. I would agree with Chris. It's got the stronger gags. It has. And you mentioned some of the outtakes as well. I think there's such a shame that a lot of them fell on the cutting room floor. There's a lot of really funny... It, it, it's really um, worth watching them, because... There's there's some really good ones that I don't I, think, I, was... I don't think there's masses in it, but I think, and this is almost a redundant um, criticism to throw at a comedy, but it's actually slightly more uneven. There's been spells of this film where I'm just going, yeah, this is actually spinning its wheels a little bit. Uh, yeah, they, they, you know, they really sort of play out for laughs as well. But I think where like a lot of the catchphrases and everything were sort of planted in the first film, I think they're really cemented here as well. They kind of really helped put them into the public consciousness, for example. I just noticed like a lot of the, the lines that I'm sort of like quoting like myself and my friend who are really into these films at the time. Um like came from this film, like you know, sort of a lot of our the humour that we had like between ourselves. And that just yeah, it's for me it's obviously the first one is, is an absolute classic for sure. Um much beloved Bond parody. Um but this one kind of goes like beyond Bond, I guess. Um, and for me, it's the funnier of the two films, for sure. I know there is a lot of off-colour humour and certain characters who are very questionable. But yeah, still lots of laughs, but very very 90s. Like, if you grew up in the 90s and certainly enjoyed these movies, then, I don't know, you might, you might think, no, this is a shit. now, you might hate it. But alternatively, you may love it. He needs oh, to go back in time. Oh yeah, I I think the next movie has has uh, it sounds stupid to say, but it's like plotting issues. You know, when Michael Caine just like shows up randomly at the end, 
It's like, well, what are you doing? Oh, yeah. You, you tie, tie the movie then. There's more of a. Yeah, where's he been all that time? I, I don't know if I'm even using the term appropriately, but there's more of a vaudeville feel to the third film. It, it's like, let's put on a show. Yeah. You know, it's it's more. It, it is more skit like. They, they, they've got this. They keep going back to the sort of International Spy Academy or whatever it's called. And all of those bits are funny. Um, but it, it's kind of like a disjointed reason. It's kind of disjointed from the rest of the film. And mm. then you've got like Michael Caine as a young man, which is obviously a scene from another film of his, but that's all a bit disjointed. And then they've loosely strung it together. And it does strike me much more like that Ron Burgundy filmmaking. I mean, they, they went and shot Ron Burgundy and they got a whole second film out of it, which didn't all make sense. It really played up the sort of champ kind being in love with Ron angle you get in the second film. Um, but they got a plot, they got a whole different plot. And and jokes aside, Ron Burgundy does have a plot, and so just wake up, Ron Burgundy. And I think um, it's the same with the third Austin Powers film. It's almost like they just shot a shitload of God knows what, and they might have been able to cut it together any number of different ways. No, I'd probably say like the third film is the weakest of the lot. But I think you know, I think Michael Caine's really great, and you've got some good well, gags. Definitely, it's got that. It's got that opening sequence, which is brilliant. The Michael Caine stuff is funny, and and uh, it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of more it, the same. I think. His, his number plate is GRA Shag, great Shag, um, which is funny because he drives a little mini, just like in um, <laughs> the Italian job. Uh, I must say, I really like the third one. But he's kind of playing very much on it, like a sixties kind of sex symbol, wasn't he? Again, sort of yeah. Italian job and that sort of thing. I mean, what, what film did my did Mike Myers do after this? Was it like Love Guru or one of those? It's kind of. After this kind of film, it started to go a bit downhill a little bit, didn't it, for him? I don't like know. Because it sort of made some questionable apart from, movies. Apart from a small role in Inglorious Bastards and The Love Guru, I can't remember what else he's done. No, I just try to think because it's kind of, it, kind of, I think it kind of reached a peak with this. And then obviously he did the third film. And then it was kind of on, oh, will, will he do a, another Austin Powers film? Will he do a wait, no, the Wayne's World sequel, for example? We're still talking about another Austin Powers film as recently as about three or four years ago. Yeah, it's rumbled and rumbled and rumbled, hasn't it? I don't think you should do it. I think the time's been gone now. Yeah. Okay. Just quit while he's still ahead. He is still... Better... Sorry, go on. No, you carry no, on. I, I was just going to say, I think probably even after Vern Troy's passed away, but even watching, well, we watching the gold member. There's something about it just feels like the last one. I don't think he's. I don't think it work if you if you follow it up. No. Right. So running through, I'm not going to read everything because some of these films have disappeared from public consciousness. Although I remember them, like View from the Top, which is a truly shit um, Gwyneth Paltrow film. But obviously, he was in The Cat and the Hat which got terrible reviews. He was in the Shrek films. We know about that. Oh, yeah, the yeah. Love Guru, I mentioned Inglorious Bastards. Uh, various Shrek, Shrek properties. He was, he was that, that sort of com- weird composite character in Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. Label was, exec, yeah look, nothing course. like him. Um, yeah, I thought Bohemian that was Stephen Graham. <laughs> no, it was him. Yeah, but no, but I, was, yeah, I, was, yeah. I, was, I always watch that thinking it was Stephen Graham. He's currently working with David O. Russell. Oh, that'd be interesting. But he, he pops up in these is kind of like these sort of character roles rather than like yeah. the, the lead, you know. He's working on a Netflix TV series. Ooh. It's just called Untitled Mike Myers Netflix Project. Sounds exciting. And, and the only other thing you see is Austin Powers Ford. It says announced, but then it just says rumoured, so I don't mm. know. We shall um, see. Yeah, I totally forgot he was in Shrek. <laughs> Sorry about that. Just skip that. 
Well, I know it sounds obvious, but you don't see them on the screen. So when when you try and think of actors in things, you try to picture them in stuff, aren't you? Yeah, I was just trying to think. Oh yeah, he was voice actor in Chuck, um, which I also enjoyed. But again, like the second, you know, the first two were you, really if, great. If, third if one, you mm. knock Shrek out of it and Inglorious Bastards because he's a small part in that, it's not a, it's not his vehicle. No, it's, it's one of those. His last big headlining thing so with great. his face in shot, if you like. I, I'm not trying to do down animation here, but. You could do. We'll do them on the show. At some you point. could do animation forever and not not be. I'm determined to get some well kind of known. animated film on the show. Definitely, um, but yeah, I mean the the last sort of headline thing he really did was the Love Guru. Which... Well, I know that wasn't very particularly well received. I didn't. I didn't see that. I can't remember enough about it now to tell you what was wrong with it. All I can remember is that when I watched it, I was almost open mouthed how bad it was. But if you t- say to me why. I can't see anything more than it. It just didn't work. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, he's got the girl. Well, this is quite romantic. Fat bastard. FBD. <laughs> Fat bastard. <laughs> That's quite the department. I've never seen that before. Fat bastard delivery. <laughs> delivery department division. Whatever you. Yeah. Once you've had fat, you never go back. I can attest that that is not the case. Oh. Oh, dear. I'm rich and I'm dead sexy. Where are you, William Shatner, after all? (laughs) In that iconic pose. Me? I'm not that pose anymore. My picture's changed. I know, but you were for a long time. I was. I know you've got yourself now. Yeah. Yeah, that was my Skype picture for years. William Shatner looking very pleased with himself in Star Trek, the original scene. <laughs> looking very curious. He's is, is very handsome. Yeah. Just a swift kick of the balls, and that's fine. We'll just leave him there. <laughs> 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 we're not even going to sort of like, you know, dispose of the gun. All the the cameos at the end. Uh, He hasn't (laughs) done the kick yet. He's still talking. (laughs) Oh my god! Oh dear. I think he farts. Yeah, I'm at the fart. (laughs) Really pure humour. Yeah, even as to announce he's farting. Who are these people? Oh, sorry, I'm a bit ahead of you now. You are a bit ahead. Who am I kidding? He's about to shoot them, and obviously there'll be a kick in the balls, and that'll be that. Or judo chop and a kick in the balls. Judo chop. Right in the mummy daddy button. (laughs) The makeup for Fat Bastard, even though that is recognisably Mike Myers, it must have taken hours, because the eyes are... Yeah, oh my gosh, all the layers. Yeah. That's quite amazing, though, to be able to do those sort of scenes because you, you know, you've got like the, the makeup and the costume as well, and you're under sort of, you know, a really hot set for you know lights and other. There was that. Well. Si- there was that silly joke in the um, third one with Michael Caine, where he complains he's got a stiff neck because he swallowed a Viagra and it was stuck <laughs> in his throat. <laughs> That's quite funny. <laughs> and then he shuffles yeah, touches the button. And this is the party, the Bangles. Mm. Sadly, I've made it to the credits, and the makeup was actually done by Stan Winston, legendary Stan Winston. So, 
about that? Uh, yeah, Stan Winston. I'm trying to think when Stan Winston died. He, I think he died just before Iron Man was released, but he worked on Iron Man. Yeah. So I must. I think he might have died something like late 2007. Yeah, it was around that time, wasn't it? I think. And I, I almost feel like it, it's not our job to educate anybody, but at the same time, it, it's one of those names that I'm always pleased when we can put it out there again. Because you do worry that film film fans will come along now and just not know the name. No, and, stand, think... stand, and, and obviously film making people up, cre- creature creation, and everything has changed over time. Yeah, it's so such a big, such a big part of filmmaking, though, isn't it? I think if he's, he's virtually completely responsible for the look of the T one, uh, the T eight uh, the T eight hundred, yeah, the T exactly. Terminator. But I think if you, you know, if you do love film or if you're if you're like a film student or just a cineast for example hey that guy wanted... shouted not sorry he was in friends years ago but the woman next to him was jennifer coolidge Stifler's yes mom. that was it i was trying to think who is that woman you, but she but was also she... in legally blonde yeah and there's jeff from, from um curb as i think well. that's the unbreakable i think serving woody harrelson isn't that the unbreakable kimmy smith yes who's in the press for all the wrong reasons in the last day or two no i don't think it is actually her someone else she was also wasn't she in like the office for years and years and years not sure i never watched the unbreakable kimmy smith i've just seen her all over adverts in the papers stays not literally papers online but yeah let's let's have a look at the credits now they're laughing hey von troyer's laugh's quite impressive the end right now we're into credits so did you spot uh, jeff from curb what jeff garlic yeah no the one i the one i monster all the cameos. Was that Jeff Garland? Or yeah. He obviously can't tell because he's got a one. He's got one oh. eye, mono eye. Yeah. Oh, I love Kirby enthusiasm. I think I think it's past its absolute absolute best now. But it it, it... is it still going? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, they're making a new series now. Oh, God. But of course, Funkhouse is dead, isn't he? Well, yeah. Um, Funk. I didn't even realise uh, Funkhouse the actor was Albert Brooks's brother i didn't even know that um but uh, yeah it's past its absolute best i liked it more when he was actually married to cheryl uh, ted danson never falls off any chairs in it either <laughs> no which is disappointing Ooh. we're still holding i still up, think though. it i still think it's a really good show i, I still think like it, mm. it's roughly of a similar standards but when i think back and think which are the bits of curb your enthusiasm i liked most it would probably be the third and fourth series I like I like season three where he was like bought into a restaurant, and I if, really if, liked... if she was in that film, it would have been uncredited. Yeah, season four, he, he got a role in the producers on Broadway, and and that was really good too. Um, I did like the I think it was season seven where he did the sort of Seinfeld reunion, hmm. that was good, and and since then it's had lots of good bits to it and bits I like. Going on. Oh no! The 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 Black Swan episode, I think, will always be one of my favourites. Who's she in bed with? Oh, could, oh, it's himself. Yeah, he's, she's she is in bed with Austin. That was a long time ago. Technically, it's not cheating. Well, Felicity, yeah, I can't blame you. So this well, is actually, it is.
He's got his mojo back and his teeth are all right as well now. <laughs> and and that Austin version isn't that they've made them up differently. Oh, well. He's finally been to the NHS dentist. NHS dentist, you can get into them in by twenty twenty four apparently. Yes. <laughs> oh dear, I love it so much. Mm. I'm very grateful for mine. It's okay. Because in England, you know, we all have bad teeth. Apparently. The Book of British Teeth. <laughs> yeah. Book yeah, of British honest. Smiles. Great Book of British Teeth. <laughs> teeth lost, That's like Lisa. one of my favourite episodes. But... <laughs> yes. Why have you turned my... <laughs> my... <laughs> Into a house of lies. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's my favourite episode ever. Oh, my God, it's so funny. That's like one of the best film parodies they've ever done throughout their whole entire run. Mm. It's brilliant. Although, although the single bit I laughed at most in The Simpsons ever, as in the funniest little three-second gag, was where they left Apu and Mandula uh, having a row, and they're driving along the street, and the car is fucking swerving all over the place and it's because Homer's trying to drive and read the Karma Sutra at the same time time. and she says if you're going to read that let me drive and he pulls over just gets out of the car and without a word and walks straight round to the passenger seat gets in she drives off and then you just hear him go hey they stole our idea (laughs) (laughs) it's so clever oh god I was uh, there's a track there's a track on the soundtrack here that was um, the propeller heads Mm. Uh, just off the point, uh, cue the music. Where uh, they played Pitts Gloria, um, site of Honor Majesty's Secret Service, two years ago for the fiftieth anniversary of that film. Becca went to it, and if you go back, if you go back far enough on our website, she she did some little videos and bits to camera there. Um, but cue the music uh, on YouTube have now released the entire concert they did from inside Pitts Gloria. And it's a spoiler alert for the concert, but it's a spoiler alert to kind of encourage you to watch it so I don't feel too bad uh, for doing this. But they finish with a complete recreation of the Propellerheads version of Honor Majesty's Secret Service. And I promise you... It's amazing, especially when they've done it as well, and it just blows out the water. It's note perfect. Um, There's some slight differences in acoustic than if you were listening to the recorded version at home, but it's basically note perfect. And when it finishes... I, I, he doesn't say anything on the night, but Warren has said to me since it's the hardest thing he's ever done. Yeah, it's so difficult. And I think um, even, oh my God, who is it? Um, the composer said that it was, they are actually crazy for doing it. Um, David Ardell was like, it's, it's fantastic, but they're crazy for doing it. Well, but, yeah. it, would, it would have been pieced together in a studio over a period of time, not just performed live like that. And it no, is it's, it's the most technical thing that they've, they've ever done. So. You can hear it's technical. Basically, if, if you want, just go and look up uh, D- David Arnold, Honor Majesty's Secret Service, the propeller heads, and play that song. And then go and listen to cue the music, absolutely recreate it perfectly. And they play, obviously, all of the songs from most of the, well, most of the songs from most of the films but they also do a suite of music from the film. I think they kick off the second half with a whole suite of music from Honor Majesty's They do. Uh, yeah, their, um, their Majesty's concert is now um, um, open for all, so you can go and check uh, it out on the YouTube channel. You genuinely, genuinely be listening to the soundtrack in places. It's incredible. It really is. I, can, I, mean, I rate it highly enough. Obviously, where it's a song like License to Kill and Kerry's singing, well, Kerry's not a mimic. She doesn't sound like Gladys Knight, so you can tell the difference. But when they're doing, and I'm not saying that's good or bad, by the way, but when they're doing um, just instrumental work, it's indistinguishable a lot of the time. 
So we, I, just wanted, I just wanted to promote that because I watched it on Monday night. Was it yeah, Monday they really, night? Yeah, they, yeah, they released it. Uh, they put it on so, general release. Cue the music on YouTube. Really good. Check them out. Give them a follow. Um, they've got two concerts coming up towards the end of the year. If you can, go and see them. Um, go and check them out live. Um, seriously, buy all their CDs. Watch their videos. Go see their concerts. Just try to consume as much of the music as you can. It's fantastic. Your life will be richer for it. Well, I wouldn't have gone that far, but... Well, I will. No, I really rate them highly. I think Obviously, it would have been a different experience for Becca because she was there. But I saw it when they streamed it a while back, but they streamed it and that was it. They streamed it and you watched it live on, and or that was it. Not live, but when they did a live stream, if you like. Uh, but now it's on sort of general release and, and it, it is recommended because a hell of a lot of you listening to us are Bond fans. We had, um, during the show, I remember, um, it's like spoiler alert there, they had... Um, obviously a note from, from George Azerby to say, oh, look, they're amazing. He did John Barry proud. And then Stephen Saltzman was in the audience and yeah. he came up like partway through and said, like, you did my dad proud. So it's like a phrase from George Azerby, Jason Bond himself yeah. and Stephen Saltzman. Well, I mean, so, if you've ever listened to, if you've ever listened to um, James Bond radio, uh, they're both in the audience and you'll spot them. Uh, Brian mm-hmm. Dobson, who's now presents uh, James Bond radio. Uh, I haven't heard them for a little while, but, um, he's on. He's there. Becca was obviously in the audience, although I don't remember sitting her on camera. No, they, they, I I'd escaped by that point. I yeah, was, I I was like, this is my bedtime. I got to go. I figured she'd stay out of the way. Um, but you will recognise if you've seen something like Everything or Nothing. I'm pretty sure Stephen Saltzman was interviewed on that. So there'll be people you recognise. Um, and so yeah, didn't mean to turn it into a promotion for that, but I was just thinking about it because the Propellerheads track came up. That on its own is worth the the price of admission because you can hear bits and pieces of cue the music elsewhere on their site but they'll never do that again i don't think no it's very much once in a lifetime thing i think wasn't it yeah okay folks uh as for social media you can catch me at the pasty kid 1976 on twitter oh you can find me on cinematronics uh you can also find uh, all the old episodes on cinematronics uk um, sorry, it's been a while, but uh, yeah, we'll, but we'll pick it, things up. But we yeah. are back well, together. Yeah, sorry for the slight delay. Yeah. We are now here. Um, well, yeah, we'll, you we'll can find this on Twitter. We'll sort out your refunds um, immediately because yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you paid Cause... fuck all. Is Chris's point? Because <laughs> it's free. But if you want to send us some money, we'll send most of it back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it'll be you know, shipping, shipping charges, and you know, and and, yeah. and tax booking fee. We'll send you your penny change. Yeah. yeah. If you want to follow us, we are on Twitter at Expect Us to Talk. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, Podbay, wherever you like to listen to us. Okay, so to round off now one of our longest running series. Oh gosh. <laughs> with with the third instalment, what's coming next? Do you expect us to talk with our we'll return with our next review mintry episode, Austin Powers and Goldmember? <laughs>